0: You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Movies. Uh whoops, Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live. Today, we are talking about the first Charlie Kaufman movie we're going to talk about on this podcast, getting ready for his next one coming out in 2020, which we might talk about. We'll see. Uh, today, we're going to talk about his first movie, also the first movie by director Spike Jones. This is called Being John Malkovich. We've got a spoiler warning in there if you haven't seen it. Uh, if for whatever reason you don't know who John Malkovich is, I have a little informational tape I'm going to try and dig up for you for the intro here. So here is a bit of that.
1: Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm John Malkovich. It's, it's the MS... Uh... Really John Malkovich?
0: <laughs> from these inauspicious beginnings, John Malkovich's rise to stardom was fast and furious. He's a technical genius. He breathes life into inanimate objects. It's a very godlike thing, you know, to be able to take something and, you know, make it live.
1: He was the talk of the town, from the Beltway to Broadway.
0: You're listening to classic movies live the pre-recorded show where sometime it will happen we're going to talk about new mutants we've uh, we've teased it before uh just off air we were talking preliminary plans on seeing it nothing's set in stone yet because new mutants will never be set in stone but uh well, until it actually happens anyway there's a tangent we're going to talk about an old movie today um this is another this is another first for us we've been going through a lot of uh a lot of pretty important movies the last little while. We did a Francis Ford Coppola movie. We did um, a Spike Lee movie. We did some other... What other firsts did we do? We did two Adam Sandler movies. Today we're going to talk about a Charlie Kaufman movie because, uh, well, a lot of different reasons, but among them, uh, I feel like you can't be a pretentious movie podcast until you've talked about at least one Charlie Kaufman movie. Yes,
1: and this is this is our end... end us entering into this new phase
0: (laughs) yes we're finally there we've made it we've made it as a movie podcast so happy it didn't even take us 50 episodes it's gonna be so awkward if we release these out of order and this one turns out to be number 50
1: yeah that would be kind of awkward but only the future can tell
0: all right so um being john malkovich is is the movie we're talking about today this is the directorial debut of Spike Jones, and I could be wrong, but I believe this is the first movie that ca- ever came out that was written by Charlie Kaufman. Uh, uh, do you know that's true?
1: I'm pretty sure, at least like feature-length film. I'm not sure yeah, how yeah. how much uh, experience he had with writing before, and like I think he had a lot of scripts that he submitted, but were never never made. Um,
0: yeah, and honestly, this seems like it is one that actually was made but this seems like a good candidate for never being made this is a very very weird idea
1: yeah it it really is do you you want to explain why it's a weird idea
0: um i i think yeah yeah well uh, so this movie is uh boy it's about a puppeteer played by john cusack um so we're already off to a weird start because a puppeteer is a strange thing to write a movie about. I mean, unless your movie is Pinocchio and uh, John Cusack is like, he's not a big, big name. Like he had big roles, but he was never like, I'm going to say this a lot about a lot of people in this movie. He's no Tom Cruise. Like he's, he's not a, he's not an audience draw necessarily. Um, so like you've got that. So it's about John Cusack, who is a puppeteer who gets a, Job at a filing company on a on the seven and a half floor of a building, uh, and while he's working at that filing company, he finds a tiny door that, when you crawl into it, takes you inside of real person, real renowned Hollywood actor John Malkovich. It takes you inside of John Malkovich's brain for fifteen minutes, and you see what John Malkovich sees, uh, you hear what John Malkovich hears, you. To some degree, may be able to influence his actions, which becomes a major plot point. Uh, It's and um, it takes you into John Malkovich's brain for 15 minutes. So there's the conceit of the movie. That's the idea, and he uses this idea to explore all sorts of really strange philosophical topics. Like it's 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 interesting how quickly he gets into the the like philosophical meat of this movie, Um, and I think that. There's a lot to talk about there, but that's the basic summary.
1: Okay. Yeah. Did I read out that's, anything? That's, no, not really. That's like the general uh, uh, consensus, I would say. It's it's a very uh, hard movie to summarize, I guess, in, in terms of like all the little details in it. But yeah. That's, there, that's is, the...
0: there is a plot, but like it's the kind of plot that we will event. We, we're going to describe it as we go. It would make no sense just saying it, right out of the gate
1: <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, anyways like so yeah charlie kaufman um he's he's really used to direct or at least uh writing these really crazy scripts um some others some others he's done is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind which i think was like four or five years after this came out and, five years
0: after is when it is, it, it came out five years after this came out. I don't know when it was written.
1: Yeah. And that was like a pretty, I would say almost like psychedelic movie. Yeah. And uh, uh, what was the adaptation, which was uh, also, I think it's the other movie where he collaborated with Spike Jones as a director. Yeah. And that stars Nicolas Cage. And it's a movie where he, it, it's basically a movie about him writing the script that he writes. It, it, yeah. for the movie. It's very, very... It's probably the most meta movie I've ever seen. Um, and,
0: like, he likes to write these movies, because all three of them, he likes to write these movies that really... Well, he he writes characters, and what he likes to do is he likes to really, really, really dive deep into whoever's main characters... Whoever's main characters, he likes to dive really deep into the characterization of him, because uh, it's always a him. Yeah. And, like, really try and figure out like try and delve into this guy's mind because like adaptation is basically him psychoanalyzing himself by giving himself a fake twin brother uh this movie is literally about a man going inside a different man's mind and like learning things about himself and all of the characters end up doing that and then in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind they're go they're digging through jim carrey's memories and he's like also there. I mean he's he's there actively kind of being
1: watching his man- memories be taken away from him.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say being manhandled through his memories, oh, but yeah. Well, that too.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, like he so, likes to really, and, and he uses that to explore like they're they're almost character studies. They are character studies, but they're very different from like from something like Joker, where you're seeing this person and it's showing you him in different situations. They're like literally looking into these people's heads. Yeah,
1: it was a very interesting uh, kind of look at, at the, the mind of someone, I guess, going through a breakup in that sense. Uh, and, like, I, I love his scripts just in that I notice he he really takes advantage of the the movie format, if that makes yes. sense. He Because uh, I, I I kind of, like, my first thought was to compare him to, like, Christopher Nolan in that they, they choose very uh, psycho, like, they, they – they, they, they conduct like psychoanalysis a- analysis of the main character in a way, um, yeah. But I would say like Nolan does that in a very grounded, uh, grounded way, whereas mm-hmm. um, Charlie Coppen really takes advantage of like like the the ab- abstract the abstract uh, ways of telling telling a story. So like yeah, in John Mal in this movie John Malkovich for example he gets he gets it a lot into the philosophies of like as existentialism through a very odd plot device and that he you know goes there's just a random tunnel that leads into someone's mind
0: there's mm-hmm.
1: very little explanation given or really needed because that's not the point of the story he's trying to tell
0: yeah just- so when the explanation does come and it's very strange and ridiculous uh it's also incomplete well it it actually is incomplete now that i think about it but like it doesn't seem as weird because the way that this thing is set up it has clear rules it's uh just it's it's not super important where it comes from so when you find out where it does come from and it's insane it doesn't doesn't matter
1: yeah exactly and he i don't think well in this movie does he really explain what happened i think he delves into it slightly which kind of disappointed me but he
0: explains that it is not a new thing and he sort of implies where it could come from but he never specifically seems to say if i remember right
1: yeah that that's fair which is um yeah i think which is better i think if he if he went into it more it would have made it worse unlike i thought he he actually kind of explained internal sunshine eternal sunshine of the spotless mind like how the memory wiping works which surprised me, but I guess it made sense. And he didn't delve into it again too much.
0: I think that, um, I mean, he might go, he, he might go a little more than is needed potentially, but I think he's really good at explaining exactly as much as he needs to and not too much more. Because like with this, he explained it enough so that we know the rules and we know why it's an important plot device. With Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, kind of the same thing. In both of those, he he maybe goes a little overboard in some spots, maybe in eternal spot spotless, uh, internal sunshine. He goes, a, he, uh, delves into it a, maybe a little more deep, deeply, but like, as long as I know what's going on and why I need to care, that's really all I need.
1: Yeah, exactly. Whereas I would say like, if you look again, if you look at Nolan, he, he takes a, he puts a lot of effort in explaining what exactly is happening, specifically when I, like when I think of like memento, or uh, or The Prestige, or Inception, or Interstellar, there's actually quite a few scenes that attempt to explain the bigger elements of plot devices of the story so that the audience um, can get into it, which is usually yeah. probably why his movies are a lot longer, whereas Charlie Kaufman's are actually, like, pretty, relatively short, especially given the type of subject matter he's tackling.
0: Yeah, actually, to compare those two, though, I would have to say, without going too much into it, um, I think it works for Nolan, mostly because the way that he describes his plot devices, like, like in Inception, the dream thing, the way that he's describing it, like that is the movie. His exposition is kind of explaining what his movie is doing. It's not just explaining what his device does, it's explaining what his movie is. Yeah. Where with with Charlie Kaufman, his portal into John Malkovich's mind is a plot device. It's not the whole movie, so... He doesn't need to explain it like a Nolan movie. Basically, I'm saying I don't think that Charlie Kaufman could write a Nolan movie, but I also don't think Nolan could write a Charlie Kaufman movie.
1: No, they're very, very different writers. It would be interesting you know, to see like them collaborate. Actually, that's that's actually one combo I would, I would love to see. Uh, I a Charlie can't Coffman even imagine Nolan
0: that. Be I incredible. know
1: it would be so cool. So Charlie so, Kaufman,
0: if you're listening, uh, please, please collaborate stop. with Chris Nolan
1: make my dreams come true so yeah so yeah getting into like the the movie a bit more um what what did you think of like like the casting and stuff because it was pretty odd casting in a lot of senses but i guess this was more of an indie movie so like they couldn't get like the biggest names um but there were some a couple recognizable faces
0: I actually think that part of this part of the point of this movie, I guess this is almost this is kind of sidestepping a bit. But part of the point of this movie is that they couldn't get the biggest names because like it sounds like Charlie Kaufman never wanted the biggest names. For example, this movie's literally about John Malkovich, like real person John Malkovich. And like he I'm pretty sure he'd been he'd been nominated. He may have even won Academy Awards by this point. Uh, I should probably look that up because if I say a, he may have and <laughs> he actually did, then I'm going to look like a funny. fool. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. like, um, he's he's a name that people know, especially like people who've seen a lot of movies and people who'd seen you know, this came out in '99. Like, if you'd been watching movies actively, you'd probably seen John Malkovich in one or two things. But like, he's a guy that people recognize, but like, he's not a huge super A-lister. Uh, yeah in, at
1: the time. I, and, like, I never sorry sorry i never i i only know him from like more recent movies where i haven't really seen him in a really big dramatic role i guess i, I mostly actually kind of see him like with his comedy chops
0: yeah He's
1: playing more comedic like i saw i remember him in transformers um and i remember him in that uh what's that movie with the coen brothers it's uh Burn before reading or something like that. Burn
0: after reading. It was a
1: burn after reading. And he was really good in that. Yeah. Hilarious. So yeah, I'm not sure what his status was in Hollywood at the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing too, is like this movie would have been very strange and Charlie Kaufman wouldn't have let it if this was like being Tom Cruise, because like John Malkovich in this movie, he has a somewhat normal life. Like he's, he's an actor and he's living in a very nice New York apartment, but like he can also just go around New York. He just gets a taxi. He's very soft spoken. He can just go to dinner, and like people recognize him, but it's not a big thing, you know. At the time, for example, Tom Cruise could not have lived that life, and like this movie is kind of a little more interesting just by just because of how relatively mundane the act, the um, life of John Malkovich is.
1: Yeah, I think that's what made it really like at least the if you, draws your attention at first. It's actually pretty funny how how worked up the the people that enter his mind get just because like it's literally just John Malkovich like taking a shower or something or like uh, eating eating food or reading. Down. Yeah, it's it's very t- it's not even like cool John Malkovich stuff. It's very normal John Malkovich stuff.
0: So. This movie, uh, the the opening scenes of this, or like the first scenes where they go to John Malkovich's, and he's just like living his life, reminded me a lot of the scene in the in the Lego Batman movie where he gets home and just like microwaves a lobster.
1: Like it's yeah, just Batman,
0: yeah, it's just Batman doing normal things.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, this is pretty funny. I that's why I love the comedic aspects of this movie, and I actually, I guess it's hard for. Because Kaufman's, I think, a very like as existential writer. You can tell. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but he he likes to write himself in his movies as the main character. Yes. Um, and uh, he, I guess, in this case, the like every at least especially in this case, but every character is just like just really like kind of a loser. Um, yeah. And and so I guess for him also his his mind seems to. Kind of like to play with the idea of uh, dealing with depression in comedic ways, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, but I was gonna he, say, yeah,
1: he really, he really drags, he really not drags, but he, the, those, those comedic elements, um, are kind of overshadowed by the darkness of yeah, all. Yeah, I movies, usually,
0: I gotta say, um, so. I don't know if I would use overshadowed. I know what you're saying, but like adaptation to me, I still thought it was a really funny and enjoyable movie, even though it was like very existential with eternal sunshine and the spotless mind. Yeah, never mind, That's depressing. But like this movie, uh, this movie really disturbed me. Like I thought this, this movie was, I mean, I can handle dark movies. That's typically what I watch anyway, but like, I, I had to take a break after this movie. This was, this was sufficiently dark for me which I was not expecting because, like, I mean, I know him as a comedic writer, as you said, and, like, I know that he has darkness in his movies, but, like, I was expecting this to be a lot funnier than it was. Than it, it, it was funny. I expected it to be a lot funnier than it was dark, and um, a lot of the things, a lot of the comedic moments are only comedic because they're supposed to be because they are actually terrifying situations.
1: Yeah, they really are. It's, it's, uh, interesting how he, how he works his scripts into those things, especially because I think the initial premise of all of his stuff seems comedic, at least, at least for me, um, especially I thought this movie would be hilarious given the start. And then also the context of it, like the title, Everything about it seemed like a comedy. Um, And I saw... I saw Adaptation. That was like my first kind of look into him. And that movie was, I think, really, just really, really good. I think it set up a good balance between kind of messed up, but then also like hilariously intriguing. But I think... I personally, I wasn't a fan of how dark he went in this. Because I I think there would have been... It would have been more fun to kind of lighten up on like the really dark stuff and because I think the concept itself is genius it's just I don't I I necessarily I I guess it makes sense like because it was a good movie but for me personally I I didn't necessarily want the movie to get darker as it went along
0: yeah um I guess that said and I, I think in just a minute we should probably go into spoilers but I thought that it was uh yeah right at the beginning where he's setting everything up literally every situation literally everything he writes at the very beginning is a comedic situation he starts with a puppeteer that's a loser and he and he's married to like a person that is um what does she do she rehabilitates wild animals or like zoo animals or rescue some something she has a chimpanzee is the thing with ptsd uh and so like all of these things they're not I guess those aren't inherently funny, but those are just, that's an absurd situation. And then he goes to get a job as a filer on the seven and a half floor of a building, which isn't a thing. So it's this tiny, it's this floor with very tiny, uh, with like a really tiny ceiling that everyone has to crouch in. And uh, the whole, like literally the, every, in orientation, they literally make the joke that everyone is here because they had to cut corners. Um, so. And then, and then he goes into a tiny door that leads into John Malkovich's brain and John Malkovich ends up being not exciting. So every single thing that he sets up is a comedic situation. And yeah. like, he uses it for comedy for sure, but it gets so dark. It
1: does. And I never, well, the thing is also, I was kind of disappointed is that I never really laughed at any of the first scenes because it, it didn't, those funny moments never really punched through. You You know, like the scene where, uh the the girl kind of comes is inside john malkovich and experiences like him in the shower right Mm -hmm. and then and then she she comes out she's like oh my god that was amazing i need to go back to see what he does next i was just like i wanted to laugh but i think the way they filmed it was just like it was like almost kind of depressing
0: yeah it it And that might be part of the point because it was it was outwardly funny. Like if you're just seeing that scene out of context or if you're just like reading it in the script out of context, that scene is probably pretty funny. But in context, you know that everyone in this movie is a loser who kind of hates their life for one reason or another. And she has just discovered something that has actually changed her life. And I think it's Cameron Diaz, isn't it?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, it is I, that was surprising. I did not recognize her at all. Uh, yes, yeah, Cameron Diaz
0: and and Cameron Diaz plays that so much like someone who's actually just had an epiphany. So, like, on the one hand, it should be funny because she's coming out of this she's coming out of John Malkovich's head and she literally just saw him in the shower. That's that's all that she experienced. And she's like, I need to go back. But what you're but you know, the way that she plays that and the way that it's written in context, you know that the reason for that is that it's this was a really meaningful thing, so you you can't really laugh at her because you're because at least for me i was like i was I was kind of happy for her at the same time because I know that she's in a because like just from the way that this movie is before that she's clearly in a situation she's clearly living in a situation she doesn't want to be in, and she's found a way out
1: yeah it's so weird, it was it, was it was about. almost like watching a heroin addict like or someone get into a heroin addiction, even though, like, yeah. it, it was completely different. So I wish, like, again, I wish, I kind of, part of me wishes that he embraced the comedy more just because I, I, I personally love, like, really wacky comedies. Um, my favorites are, like, Airplane uh, and, like, Monty Python, I guess. I really like, too. Absurdist comedy. Whereas, like, this had all the elements for that, but never, I guess it's just, like, Charlie Kaufman just didn't care or... Well, I,
0: I don't think that's what Charlie Kaufman wants to write. Car- Charlie Kaufman sa- seems like he's writing dramas, but he doesn't want he- to write them as dramas.
1: Yeah, which is fair. I think I think this I think, this way of of telling a drama is much more interesting.
0: Um, yeah, like <laughs> this movie will stick with me a lot more than a lot of other movies that I don't even remember right now because like it had everything about it was interesting. And it like hit everything it wanted to do. Yeah.
1: So, like, I, I, I got to give props either way. So yeah, and uh, yeah, the actors. Uh, like, I, I guess who's the main who's the main actor?
0: Uh, John Cusack. And I'm just gonna say at this point because I don't know if I can talk about John Cusack without going into spoilers. There's spoilers uh, now. Way. If you if you are still with us and you uh, are care about spoilers, there's spoilers now.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, just in terms of his, uh, I guess, the, the way they portrayed him was just like a loser, right? I thought he played that really well. I hated this guy so much, the whole movie. I
0: really, really hated him. I actually dislike most of Charlie Kaufman's main characters, at least a little bit. But like, you know, um, I'm still, I mean, I, that's that's me personally. I'm not okay. saying that yeah, he yeah. writes them as unlikable. But like, Jim Carrey in... Uh, Eternal Sunshine. I didn't love him, but like I'm still rooting for him by the end, right? This guy, I just, I really didn't like anything he did ever. And he is being knowingly written as an unlikable character, which I guess is nice. It's a little, it's 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 a a little, I thought
1: it was a little too on the nose. Like he was literally, because he wasn't even like a character you love to hate. It was just like, like, I don't like seeing this guy at all. And honestly, that was most of the characters I did not like enjoy any of the characters or find them interesting in any way I thought they were all douchebags
0: the only character I kind of liked the only characters I kind of liked were John Malkovich and Cameron Diaz's character and I guess Charlie Sheen he's in this movie oh yeah Charlie Sheen was in this movie
1: (laughs) that was funny this came out of nowhere um but uh, yeah it's just overall because I I liked I personally I liked Jim Carrey and uh so uh, what's the what's her name
0: the girl from um,
1: Highland, forgetting again. Oh my God, is it Kate Winslet? Kate Winslet. Yeah, I love. I like those two. I enjoyed them, even though, like, they weren't the most. And I love Nicholas Cage in adaptation.
0: Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Nicolas Cage is the golden god. Honestly, but, um, he,
1: he really made that movie. So for me, I
0: I really want to watch that again. We should maybe talk about adaptation at some point.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on in that movie. But yeah, this I I, I personally have a tough time with a movie like this, especially. Again, because it might have been more fun if uh, if the characters were at least likable.
0: Yeah, um, I want to say just with John Cusack's character, I notice you already said that Charlie Kaufman likes to write himself into his movies as a main character, and like yeah. clearly, clearly Charlie Kaufman has not done all the bad stuff that John Cusack does in this movie. However, he's not John Cusack's character is not that he's similar in certain ways to like Nick Cage's Charlie Kaufman and a little bit of Jim Carrey's Charlie Kaufman and like, or Jim Carrey's version of Charlie Kaufman. I guess I can say that. And like, you notice basically because like all of his male characters are people who are in some way, shape or form really unlucky in love, which is probably part of the reason that I don't like seeing them all the time. Just cause I feel like, I don't know. I think he, I think he just like, uses that character too much. And I don't like seeing it because that character is depressing. But this guy, like the first thing he does is immediately hit on the hot person that he needs at orientation, uh, even though he's married with his wedding ring on, I believe. And, and he then, like, like,
1: admits it openly. like He's yeah, not embarrassed he just, by it at
0: all. And then he just gets obsessive throughout the rest of the movie, like to the point of he actually locks his wife in a cage at some point uh, so that she can't go in John Malkovich because the lady that he has a crush on starts having a relationship with John Malkovich, but actually with his wife through John Malkovich, which is one of the more interesting plot points of this movie. well, all of the plot points are interesting. I thought that was a really interesting way to explore that.
1: Yeah. I would agree. And then, I I just oh. um I, I just wanted to say quickly, like, in terms of the the way he treated other people in this movie like like you said he locked his cameron diaz in a cage right Mm -hmm. like there's so much like because that that whole obsession thing is actually like again it was just i thought it was so funny like on paper i just couldn't laugh like the whole cameron diaz like basically takes away the girl that he loves so like he kind of like loses both girls at the same time and they fall in love with each other like
0: well yeah as as we were saying earlier like These are funny situations, or they should be. They're written as funny situations, but they're actually horrifying. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, he locks away Cameron Diaz in a cage because Cameron Diaz has taken away the girl that he loves. Um, and,
1: And that girl will only have sex with Cameron Diaz if she's inside John Malkovich.
0: Yeah, so he goes into John Malkovich. So what this is doing is, like... In in context, we are seeing three people mentally mentally deteriorate in a really disturbing way. And just this is what happens.
1: Yeah. Um, so, and they,
0: yeah. So it's
1: Again sorry, I, I interrupted your flow. I just I really wanted to mention that.
0: No, I think that was uh, I was I was gonna get there anyway. I don't I don't think I had a, I don't think I was on my way to saying anything.
1: Oh okay, cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, and then uh, what I I did, uh, I liked the way John Malkovich, though, performed it. It was a very, I like that they made him kind of, I love it when they, they make, like, uh, actors, like, play themselves and they're kind of dicks. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, it's never not worked for me. I loved it in This Is The End, specifically. I thought that was really a really funny movie. But uh, I guess he also doesn't really have much to do.
0: Well... You said John fun. Malkovich plays a dick in this, but I disagree. Like he's a dick to the characters in the to the main characters, but like John Malkovich is the voice of reason in this movie. He's the only person that's acting. Oh well, yeah, morally that's morally correctly is the thing. So like he comes across strong, sure, but you get it. It's I guess like, and it, it, it's kind of funny to see him like finally deal with the fact that people are that. The main characters are selling two hundred dollar tickets into his head for fifteen minutes, because yeah. uh, he says, "I'll see you in court." And uh, the response, the, the response that John Cusack says is, "What? How do you know I won't be seeing what you're seeing?" Which is a terrible response, considering no jury would ever buy the story that people are selling two hundred dollar tickets into John Malkovich's head. So yeah, he has no case.
1: Not really, unless like they experienced it themselves. I don't know.
0: I mean, I guess a judge could probably order that. So, yeah, like, something like maybe that. Maybe you gotta convince it. You gotta convince the judge first, though. <laughs> yeah, for Which, real. I mean, I guess you could kidnap him. That's not out of the ordinary in this, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, there wasn't really much to not be expected. So, yeah. It was interesting. Uh, did you like the the female the female other female love interest? What was her name? Oh, I
0: hated her. I I I liked her like, more than John Cusack, but I yeah. did not like her very much. Uh, Catherine okay. Keener, I think.
1: Catherine, yeah, because I had seen her in uh, she was in Get Out, and I think I saw her in something else that was kind of big. I've seen oh, but anyway, she's she's like kind of a, a recognizable actress.
0: I and think she actually, she may have won an Oscar for this. She was definitely nominated.
1: Yeah, she honestly, she played it pretty well. I think she might have been like one of the better act. She was definitely one of the better. It was either her or Cameron Diaz. I would say acted the best in, in this. So, like, very.
0: She did not win.
1: She did not. But she was nominated. Yes. Oh damn! All right, cool. So, like that. That was. It was kind of cool to see her. Apparently, like she might have been brought in for Get Out because of that the role she played in this movie um, I can see it which was uh, kind of interesting so
0: yeah yeah I would say personally I liked Cameron uh, Cameron Diaz's performances better except that she didn't have as much to do so like if Cameron Diaz had been a way bigger part of the plot than she already was or part of the story than she already was then I would have liked her better than Catherine Keener
1: yeah I, 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 as I can a
0: performance. See
1: yeah cuz yeah she didn't really have much influence over the plot and then also um I guess she did just didn't need to. I I thought her role was really fun. It was definitely the most uplifting character even though she also was like pretty messed up.
0: I mean, her entire character she was just manipulative. That was that was her character trait and like she was just playing everybody in the whole and um oh I don't remember what I was going to say. But like she was she was the closest thing this movie has to a villain, except for its hero, I guess.
1: Who is, yeah, also
0: Who's <laughs> also the villain.
1: It's yeah, just annoying. Um. Okay. So, how how would you delve into this uh, psychologically? I guess. Did you have any thoughts about like what any of it meant?
0: <laughs> oh, I probably did. They're like they're they're nebulous. Like I I watched this movie and thought a lot of things. I don't know if I can say I'll say what they were, but I thought that this movie like. This movie disturbed me because of how well it got into topics like obsession and like what does it mean what what even is the mind because there's a point in this movie where John Cusack being a puppeteer figures out how to puppeteer John Malkovich and takes over John Malkovich's life for 8 months and then after that uh, the ending happens and John Malkovich is actually never again John Malkovich so you know it sort of it's sort of exploring the question of like, what even is, who who even are we? Like, what is what even is yourself? Like, is there still a John Malkovich in there? There has to be. He's got the subconscious and everything, but he's not driving. So what happened to John Malkovich?
1: And like- Yeah, if- that was really sad. Because again, John Malkovich was actually like the only decent person. He was very innocent in the whole plot of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. And um yeah, at the very end- Uh, right before, right when John Cusack finally leaves John Malkovich after eight months, uh, during which time he's made John Malkovich quit acting, become a (laughs) puppeteer, become a world famous puppeteer and also get married to Catherine Keener. uh, And like have a kid with Catherine Keener. So like he's completely taken over this man's life and just become the version of himself that I guess he wanted to be. But as John Malkovich, Except that he's living a lie. John Malkovich is living a lie. But at the very end, like when he finally leaves John Malkovich, there's a brief moment where John Malkovich is actually John Malkovich. And like he seems so relieved to finally be a, to finally be back. So he is there somewhere. He's somewhere in the mind, trapped, which is really that was a I really that was a really disturbing moment for me. Just like seeing John Malkovich be back for a quarter of a second. And then he's gone.
1: Yeah. After eight months, I don't, so wait, so did, was it implied that he knew what was, he could see everything. He was it trapped was, in his own consciousness or.
0: I, I don't know how much was implied. What, what you got. Uh, so when, when it was John Malkovich, like he was so happy to still to be John Malkovich again. Cause it happens in front of a mirror. And he's like looking at the mirror and he's like overjoyed. And then he stops being John Malkovich again. So exactly what John Malkovich experienced in those eight years, we never get to know. And they don't even really hint at too much, but like he knew or eight years, eight months, but he knew somewhere that like it hadn't been him for eight months. So he's somewhere in their conscious probably, or in the coma or something it's, the, that's something that's like that's one of those things uh, that's a show don't tell moment where uh, you know everything that your mind can come up with is infinitely worse or like infinitely scarier than what Charlie Kaufman could have written in in that moment.
1: Yeah, exactly. That that and that's that's why I like giving that little extra room um, with little, like not explaining everything it actually helps a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh,
0: we've said this about certain movies in the past. This movie did not look down on its audience, which I really appreciated.
1: It really didn't, and uh, yeah, it was a great fact. Especially, um, I found the ending. I loved, I loved how vague it was because I personally, my, I don't know if they explained this earlier, but I personally thought, and my roommate thought differently, that he was inhabiting because, like, the John Malkovich has that daughter technically, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't raise her. It was Catherine Keener and Cameron Diaz ended up raising her. And then the main character uh, ends up in her mind because she's like the next in line for the, the John Malkovich line of uh, uh, body body puppets, I guess is how you could call it. And yeah. I thought it was he was going to ta- eventually take over her body.
0: I um, kind of thought he already had because like he'd shown that he could puppeteer John Malkovich I had just kind of assumed that as soon as he got kicked out of John Malkovich and found out he couldn't go back, he went into the next one and just stayed there. That's and what I thought.
1: I, yeah. So I was just, but then like my roommates thought that he was just stuck. He, he messed up and then he was just stuck in her mind and had no way of getting out or uh, affecting like the girl's life, if that makes sense. So he's just there as a, as observing her until I guess she dies essentially. And, like, I guess so, it's
0: open enough that there's the, there's different interpretations for sure.
1: Yeah. But I, I personally, uh, I, I, cause I thought when I, that was a much creepier ending in that. Cause he was basically looking for a way to, to get back at the couple and also stalk them essentially. Cause he's never endingly jealous of their relationship. Cause these are two women that he fell in love with. And then they both basically ditched him. And he was the one that like introduced them to each other. Right. And yeah. they've moved on, and he can't move on because he has nothing else in his life. So, oh,
0: and that's the thing is he can't. Well, he can't move on because he won't. Uh, if if that interpretation of the ending is correct, he's literally stalking them for seven years inside a child, just so that he can like watch them. Like, if he wanted yeah. to move on, there's ways to do it, and that's not it.
1: Yeah. Either way, it's it's pretty messed up and uh yeah i i can and see why
0: ends it literally just ends on him seductively saying maxine which is the name of Catherine keener's character which is like not how i wanted to go into the credits
1: yeah and then and then you see like uh they they the end credits kind of go into the the girl swimming around right and i think yeah for me it was just kind of haunting because it just feels like it's foreshadowing the fate of this girl and that she's her this like even though she's, like, only a child, her, like, fate of her body, losing her body, essentially, is, like, her consciousness is, like, almost predestined.
0: Well, I was thinking, like, there's, the, the way that I, the way that I interpreted mo- the scenes of this movie the first time that I, I would say, like, the implication of the ending is that, you know, She's, she's never been a girl she's literally just always been John Cusack the girl's in there somewhere but she's trapped and can't do anything and like I don't know if that's actually true but again there, that's one way you could read this which is even worse for the girl
1: yeah either either way it was just messed up and uh, so that that's the thing is like I think in the end I doubt I highly doubt I'll actually end up watching this movie again um, just because it doesn't feel like a rewatchable movie in terms of I I didn't like anyone. I didn't find it funny. I just found it kind of disturbing.
0: This is a movie that I would like to rewatch again, but as a double feature with something much lighter.
1: Much lighter, yeah. Um, Honestly, even
0: Adaptation is much lighter.
1: Yeah, I'd still say, like, after everything, um, I guess it was, like, his most, or the the last one in that that threesome, right? Or was Adaptation his second movie? No, I think it was the second movie.
0: Yeah, Adaptation was his second movie. Never mind.
1: I actually like that movie, like, by far the most, I would say. Um, Whereas this one, I actually would rank the lowest, even though I I think it might be the most.
0: Oh, hold on. Adaptation was technically his third movie. There was a movie before he called Human Nature, which uh, was not a huge hit, I don't think. But, like, that was the first movie. That was the directorial debut of Michel Gondry, who would later do... uh, who would later do Eternal Sunshine.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, he he, he worked he's worked with both of them a few times, right? They seem to be his go-to guys. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I guess overall just looking at this movie, I I probably give it like uh like a seven out of ten. Um I'm... Just, just because I, I I think it did have lost potential. I wasn't a big fan of the way he took the story. Um, I I thought like it was interesting for sure and like very haunting, but it's not like a movie that I personally uh, like liked a lot in that sense. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like a little needlessly depressing. It's just like because every aspect of it was just not not fun.
0: Yeah, what I will give this movie before I rate it because it's not gonna it's not gonna be a perfect score anyway. But like I would say that. This movie has some of the best writing that I've seen in recent memory. I don't want to compare it with every single movie I've, ever seen, but like, this is a really well-written movie. There's it's, um, there's just so much attention to detail, and like, nothing is in this movie that doesn't come back in some way. And I, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, there's another podcast I listened to that talked about being John Malkovich, where I could probably just. You know, recite what they said, and then we would talk about all of it. But that's no fun. Um, but yeah, I thought that this was this is definitely one of the best written movies that I can remember. And um, you know, for that, I'm I'm always going to be at least interested when I see Charlie Kaufman for this an adaptation. And like at this point, we have to talk about adaptation soon. Um, but yeah, I guess what I was going to say, I'd probably give it like a probably like a solid eight. I might go higher, but like I'm thinking I'm thinking eight is probably where it's at. Cause like I think that at a filmmaking level, this is really, really well made. I just uh kind of hated it as much as I liked it, um, just because of how depressing it was. And so like I didn't enjoy it more than an eight out of ten for sure, even though it was very good.
1: Yeah. I as yeah, so, you know, there's
0: good. me it's justifying much- a- oh.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, it's very very much like a, a polarizing movie, I would say, because I think objectively, it's a good, it's a great movie in terms of oh, yeah. the, you know, like, it's extremely ambitious storytelling, um, especially for a first movie, I, I thought, like, it, it made you feel a lot of things.
0: They it just, is- I guess,
1: weren't feelings I really wanted from yeah. Specifically from this, because like, I think other movies like have made me feel pretty disturbed, right? But I wouldn't say, I think they were done a little more uh, tastefully. And I think, I think Ka- Kaufman does learn to do that better um, mm-hmm. as at least like, uh, like with Eternal Sunshine, for example, I would say the, some of the themes were, he was playing with were just as dark, but Definitely. the way it was directed, it might've been. Was it a different director? Was it was it? That Gardner,
0: was Michelle Gondry, yeah.
1: Because um, I I love the the fun the fun playful aesthetic they gave the movie despite the darkness that went behind it. Whereas I I would say adaptation like adaptation it works, but like adaptation and this movie uh were both very kind of dry. Like the colors were very dried out. The mood the mood and tone in general were just really dark. Um. So it might, it might have been a director's thing too. I, I, don't, I didn't entirely love Spike Jones for this. And it might have, I gotta it say, might have benefited from the playful nature of, of Gondry.
0: Yeah, I would say Spike Jones gets more colorful because like her is not that dark a movie palette-wise. Um, so like, but also this, we had to keep in mind, this was, the, this was this, basically, for all intents and purposes, the screenwriting debut of Charlie Kaufman. At least his his first feature film, and it was also the directing debut of Spike Jones. And in that respect, I think this is one of the best debuts I've ever seen. And like, not just best debuts from one. And I say that specifically because it's not just the debut from one person. It's like it's a one two punch of two acclaimed people in their field who just like knock it out of the park at the first time.
1: Yeah, Uh, honestly, it's like a very big. I I still can't believe he got this movie made in a lot of ways. Just. Mm-hmm. based on like I, I don't know did this movie make money are you on the wikipedia page
0: uh i was i can find out
1: because right, cool. like was
0: profitable. i doubt it was very profitable
1: this seems like a very hard sell to a studio and especially I, like to get john malkovich in on it in the first it place was,
0: it was definitely profitable uh hard okay. to say exactly how much uh, it was a budget of 13 million box office 32 million so like
1: oh, okay they might have made I, like a few few million maybe four or five million off of it
0: also i don't remember well i mean i wasn't watching a heck of a lot of movies when i was six that's not but i wasn't like paying that much attention to trailers i don't think they marketed this one they may not have spent that much on marketing i mean like comparatively because this movie this movie, on paper, to a studio exec, is not sexy. This is not necessarily a movie like th- it's. It's surprising, like you said, that it even got made. It's not the kind of movie that like you you know people are gonna go- gonna wanna watch. Yeah, so a- like you- we're,
1: I, I would say we're movie nerds, and we still like would have trouble watching it again. Like this, no, not much rewatchability.
0: Well, I mean, the fact that we're movie nerds and have been as long as we're probably we probably both remember being conscious and we haven't seen this speaks to the fact that like not everyone's seen it or would yeah, see it. it, right?
1: Yeah, that too. So yeah. But yeah, that's actually pretty impressive, like how much money you made. So yeah, big props to, to Charlie Kaufman for like getting it made. Yeah. Uh, very few I I, have, I don't think I've seen like such a good direct I saw I I do really want to watch, like, Nolan's first movie. I think that would be interesting. Because I used to think oh, it was Memento. did one
0: before Memento, didn't you? But it? it was, like,
1: in... No, it wasn't Insomnia. That was right after Memento, which I also haven't seen. But there was one more before it. I don't know how good it was. Hmm. But uh, either way, yeah, it was a great great screenwriting debut. Oh, actually, yeah, Reservoir Dogs, too. I'd say Reservoir Dogs is one of the best, if not the okay. best, like, first screenplay by a director. So, Yeah. Anyway, did well,
0: you I give it you gave an 8, right? Yeah, I gave it an 8. Okay, cool. And uh, I think that, like, on a Leo scale, probably 10 out of 10 best performance Leonardo DiCaprio's ever done.
1: <laughs> real. Oh, man, I actually really wish it was, like, Leo was in this movie. I think just seeing that guy would be so fun.
0: I would be um, very interested to see Leonardo DiCaprio in a Charlie Cobb. I don't know what that would be like.
1: Yeah, and I doubt he'd do it also just because like i don't think charlie kaufman like gives much opportunities for his actors to really show off at least from what i can tell so
0: uh, i would i mean adaptation i think nicholas cage is really really showing off nicholas cage in that movie
1: yeah well that's it's almost not fair because he's playing like two characters so yeah that's true <laughs> the two main characters oh. as well so it's like kind of cheating
0: But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Leo could even play in a Charlie Kaufman movie because I cannot see Leo as a Charlie Kaufman stand in. Like he could he would have he couldn't be a main character, is the thing. Or at least I can't imagine him as one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that is being John Malkovich. And we'll be back next week with another movie. I don't want to commit to it on stream. We'll figure it out off stream and then we'll come back. Yay. See ya.